you inform the reader at the place where it's necessary for them to know this thing, to be on the same page, no pun intended. Stevens, the New York Times bestselling and award-winning author of the kick-ass Vanessa Michael Monroe thrillers, and this is The Taylor Stevens Show with my good friend Steve Campbell, where we are kicking writing in the butt one word at a time. Taylor, you know what we need are coffee cups with that slogan on them. I think that would be, I think that would be a cool idea. I like the idea of kicking, kicking writing in the butt one word at a time on the coffee cup that I drink my morning coffee from. And then when you get to the bottom, it's like, go kick butt. (laughs) (laughs) Well, let's not get carried away. No, when you get to the bottom, it's go get some more. (laughs) Anyway, we need to do that. We should have that. We should have these coffee cups. That's a brilliant idea. Is there a marketing marketing department that we have as as part of this vast organization that could just take care of this? (laughs) Who who do we call? What extension is that? (laughs) Do not put it on my to-do list. We'll get to this in about six years. All right. Speaking of to-do lists, today's show is we're talking about really writerly stuff because I'm in the middle of a project that Taylor is helping me with um, from an editorial standpoint. And she's, we've decided to just go through some of the notes that she's given me in general terms because I think it, it would be useful to anyone else there that's like me. Um, for people that are like, Taylor, you're probably not listening to this show. But if you're more like me and you're, you're trying to learn how to write, I think this information would be very helpful. So, Taylor, what I'm going to ask you today is I'm going to read like your two or three sentence notes and then ask you to expand upon it. Are you up for it? Are you up I'm to up the challenge? Yeah, fingers crossed. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so before we get started, I've I send things to editors I won't say all the time, but, you know, you finish something, you send it to an editor, you get notes back. And We should clarify that when you're talking about editor, you don't mean a copy editor, right? You mean somebody who's, like, looking over it for story issues? I'm talking, or yeah, some- I'm talking about a, a content editor, not a copy okay. editor. Yes. So, and, and typically what I get back are things that point out holes in the story, potential problems with the stories, things like that. And it's always awesome because it's, this could be a potential problem with the story, period. And then I read a little further, and I see this could be a potential problem with the story, period. And I'm like, oh, well, this is really awesome. So I have to figure all this stuff out. <laughs> this sucks. Is, is awesome <laughs> in finger quotes there? <laughs> yes, totally in finger quotes. So when I, got, when I got the notes back from you, I was so excited because almost all of them said something like, this could be a potential problem with the story, but if you leave it in, you could fix it by doing this. And I, I was like, there was this deep exhale. And exhaling is actually one of the things we're going to talk about here during the, during the show. <laughs> <laughs> and you'll see why we're laughing when we get to it. But it was so great because you pointed out the problems, and then in most cases, you were saying, this this is the way you could fix that. And and we talked before you looked at the material, 
and I ask you to primarily point out story problems, but you also put in like writing issues, and you, you would say very clearly, this is a writing issue, not a story problem, and then you would identify what the issue was, and you know you need to look out for this, that kind of thing. Does that sound about right? It sounds about right, yes. And I'm so excited to know that my notes were more detailed and more, I guess you could even say helpful. Much more helpful. Much more helpful. Yes. Um, I'm waving my fingers in the air here going, maybe little rabbit ears, I'm not sure. Um, But no, (laughs) I'm glad they were helpful. It makes me kind of like, ooh, I'm all excited about it. One of the things we've talked about before and you talked about on Facebook, and I've heard you say it a thousand times, is about dialogue. And it's actually something that you call a hack. And it's the idea of thought before action before speech in dialogue. And one of the very early notes, actually the second one, said this is a writing thing, not a story thing. But when you get to doing a cleanup draft, keep your eye on the dialogue. Almost every conversation is working backwards against the thought, action, speech hack. And nearly every said is followed by a comma and then something else. So... Why is that a bad thing to have said followed by a comma? And I I did do a search on that, and you're right. So (laughs) why is that a bad thing? Well, we in in one of our previous shows, we discussed this, and um, we talk about how it should be such and such said, period. And the reason why um, a comma is usually a bad thing is because it it violates this concept of thought, action, speech, which it took me a long time to actually figure out a way to articulate something that I was doing on instinct. And the reason why I say thought, action, speech is due to the order the brain processes information. It's sort of cause and then effect. So we think about something and then we do it. We do something and then we say it. So when, and especially in writing, it might not follow exactly the way it is in real life, but to the reader on the page, it it, it does um, follow a sort of a sequence. And when you do it out of that order, it creates effect cause which the brain has to do a very small pause to reorder it and put it in its proper order, which is grit. And we talked about how grit is, you want to keep the story as grit-free as possible because it becomes a very smooth, immersive reading experience. So doing it out of order is not going to ruin the story. It's not going to ruin the reading experience, but it creates grit. And so just by changing that order, you can improve the quality of the writing very, very simply. It's a hack. You can follow that rule. It, it, it's almost nearly always consistent and especially stands true when you're mixing up the dialogue together with character motivations or characters doing something. So instead of saying, I didn't want to do that, John said, while he untied his shoes, just just throwing this out there, you would say, John untied his shoes. I didn't want to do that, he said. So you're seeing your mind is already playing the movie at that point. John untied his shoes. So you see what he's doing in your head. And then he says the dialogue. I didn't want to do that. Whereas when you said when you start with, I didn't want to do that, your mind is starting to go with 
whatever's coming. And then he said, as he untied his shoes, now you've just interrupted that flow in your brain and you're working towards what he's doing. So it switches it around and it's just messes with the brain's uh, process of cause and effect. So that is why I, I, I articulate it as a hack. It, you follow it, you do it, it's consistent almost straight across the board. And the last thing you say in this note, well, it's, there's, there's more, but I'll just read one more thing. Once you get in the habit of doing it the other way, you'll start noticing it as you do it, which equals less cleanup on the back end. I got, I got these notes a week or so ago, and it, when I first started, I, I, would, I would do that said comma and then go on, and then I, my, it's like my fingers would talk to my brain and say, uh-oh, you've just added grit to the story. So then I go back and rework it. And you're right. Now all of a sudden it's like it, it's not taking as long for the message to get to my brain. It's not automatic yet, but it's exactly what you said. Once you do it for a little while, it, it starts to become more automatic. And I, I look forward to the day when it, it, it is actually automatic. And it, it will also, over time, make it easier for you or for anyone, I would think, as you're writing these these scenes that involve dialogue, involve action, involve the character trying to figure out or explain why they're doing something, when you're in the rewriting process and you're thinking, well, that's just not right, what's wrong with it? Well, just look at the rule. And you go, oh, okay. And you you just cut and paste and switch it all around, and all of a sudden you'll find that that paragraph just flows. All right. Now, there were, you had a bunch of notes right at the beginning that had to do with the open and just some general things that, that you saw throughout it. And, you know, we were, we were laughing about something a little while ago, so I'm going to read this next note. I'm aware of this because it's something I've been called out on, and it's one of the things I've had to go back and edit out of my finished stories. The characters are doing an awful lot of smiling and inhaling. <laughs> <laughs> it, it totally makes sense in your head when you're writing it that way, visually, but reads wrong to someone who's not in your head. See if, th- and this was this was really something. See if you can delete half of the smiles without sacrificing without sacrificing anything, and then see if you can turn half of the ones that are left into some other form of body language. Could you? Give me an example. Obviously, I can figure out how to delete half of them, but give me some examples of other forms of body language. Because all okay. I, I've got like smiling, frowning, narrowing your eyes, and pursing your lips, and that's those, that's it. That's all I've got. Okay, so you're focusing entirely on the face. Yes, good point. That that that's your answer right there. Well, give me more. Okay, your body. <laughs> give us, give us more. Posture tightens, people kind of turn slightly away and then turn back when they're uncomfortable. Sometimes they kind of side eye off to the side, like they're debating how to say something. Um, Shoulders get shrugged, hands get waved. Um, We talk a lot with our bodies, and sometimes we don't even fully complete sentences because we let our bodies fill in those gaps for us. And they actually say that speech is, there's, there's more communication through body language than through actual words. The body language is that important. So the reason that 
it's so easy to use the word smile is because there are so many kinds of smiles. There are sly smiles and subtle smiles. There's grins, there's smirks, there's acknowledging smiles, there's disagreeing smiles. And when you're writing those facial expressions, smile is all of them. But it's not to the reader because the reader is going to see just a smile, like teeth, happy, um, because they don't have that context that you that that visual body language context. So, for the actual body language, if you're struggling with replacing smile with something else, then you can actually say the lines and see how you're body reacts to saying it. Are you leaning forward? Are your hands up doing the talking for you? Are you mm. leaning backwards? Um, are you shifting from foot to foot? Is your body look uncomfortable? Is it tense? Is it relaxed? And so you can find alternatives to that smile. I found also that a lot of times no body movement is necessary. That's why I was like, well, you can delete how you can probably delete half of them without losing any context, because what you're doing when you put in that smile or that inhale is you're trying to show the reader something. But the something is meaningless enough without the person being in your head that if you remove it completely, you don't actually lose that much of the um fully rounded explanation of what's going on. Okay, good. So that's, you've given me a lot to work with there. So thank you. Um, another, and this is something that I've tried really hard to get away from. And you thankfully did not use the term info dump, but you, you said that there's a paragraph of information that's in the middle of some dialogue. And you say, this is really good information. It's just in the wrong place as it interrupts the flow of the action. So what you're really saying is that's an info dump. Get rid of it, right? No, no, absolutely okay. not. Um, um, this is kind of a hard one to explain. Well, let me but, take a crack at it because when I okay. saw that, I, I reflected back on other shows where you talked about like taking a paragraph of information – and splitting it up into little snippets of information and incorporating it in with the dialogue and the action so that all of the information comes across, but it doesn't interrupt the action. Right. But what we were talking about in those shows was description. Okay. Description of a room, description of, of the situation right. that the character was in, which is very, very different than the character's voice telling the reader something about the situation that they're in. The way that I've found the easiest is you, the character, the author, however you want to do it, you inform the reader at the place where it's necessary for them to know this thing, to be on the same page, no pun intended. <laughs> so, but what you don't want to do is put that explanation right smack in the middle of action or dialogue or something where you're just finally starting to learn something and you, you want to get it before that stuff happens. And 
just enough of it that the reader is knows where they are, what's going on. And it would be kind of like maybe a play in old times where they'd say, and now, you know, the king and his men are marching towards such and such and such castle to fend off the, the, the adversary from previous conflict, whatever. And then, you know, the scene opens and the men are on their horses. And then it's like you're, you're, you're going and, and, you're, and you're following with it. But if you put open the scene and then the men are on their horses and they start talking and then the narrator interrupts and says, these men are on their way towards whatever castle, it's like it's just the wrong place for oh. that, right? Which is exactly so, what I did, yes. So it's like you're setting that scene and it's not so much info dumping. Info dumping would be if you gave the reader the entire history of, it'd be if the narrator sat there and talked for 10 minutes about first there was the war of this and then there was the war of that and la 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 la. And now the king and his men, you know? So it's it's more a case of, of keeping it to what the reader needs to know right then as the action commences. Okay, and in this case, this came at the end of a conversation, and uh, the character in the previous paragraph said, I've got to go to the office. And then uh, the narrator, my character, uh, told about the business the guy was in. It was, it was a one-paragraph thing that talked about his business and his homes around the country, that kind of thing. And so y you do feel like that was useful information. It just should have been further up in the, yeah. in the conversation. Okay. And, and just, yeah, and, and so that the reader know, knows why those men are on the horses mm -hmm. off to the castle and what castle they're going to. It's, it's just enough, right? Just to be clear, but, I'm not writing a story about no. castles and horses. <laughs> I just, I told <laughs> making that up, which is why it sounds so stupid. Anyway. A little further down, and this is all in the uh, in the first chapter, there, uh, there was a section, a fairly lengthy section, three or four paragraphs, about two-thirds of a page that you highlighted, first mentioning again the dialogue rule that I continually break. And then uh, there are also some descriptions about um, a, a woman, the, the guy's wife that uh, I'd been talking about earlier, um, and you say everything about Mrs. Rudd's looks and the way Ridgie thinks about her should be in one place and then the story should move on. Otherwise, it keeps cutting in and out and makes way more of her looks than is necessary. That's all writing stuff. The story is good. So thank you for the story part. But the writing <laughs> thing, I've always thought, I guess in my own mind, I thought that was a way of spreading out the description like we had talked about in 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 that prior episode instead of taking two sentences to describe her it was more uh just throwing in little bits over the course of the three or four paragraphs well yes and no the issue came up because it was more than just a little bit here or there it would give a little bit and then it would begin to elaborate on that little bit. And so what ended up happening, I guess I could say, do it like this. If you were to take all the different things that you were using to the character's thoughts mm -hmm. about this woman and put them all in one spot and then you read them all consecutively, you'd probably feel like, 
oh, Lord, he is going on and on and on about this woman. And you would find a way to cut them down into a single paragraph. So if you took that single paragraph then and spread it out, it would probably work. But because it's a paragraph here and then multiple sentences there, and mm-hmm. it just keeps it, it's these big chunks the the information could be dense condensed because right now it feels like it's redundant. It, it it'll talk about one aspect of her personality and then another aspect of her looks or whatever. But can but because it's in so many places, it's it's like very uncondensed. <laughs> I don't know what the opposite <laughs> word for is that. Well, that that and explains so- it clear. And I I think I have a, a very simple way of of doing all of that. And there was a bit in there that I I thought was kind of nicely descriptive. Um, The the city's rumor mill had said that this woman had been a model for Ralph Lauren back in the day, and I had no doubt that if Mr. Lauren were to see her today, he'd want her back. So that's probably all I needed to say. Probably, yes. Okay. And, yeah, because everything that goes on top of that just keeps – it becomes – in my again, my opinion mm-hmm. is I'm just hey. One that's why person. we're listening to this show is to get your opinion. It, it it feels like it overpowers the story. It's too many spices for that one bowl of soup. Okay. All right. In general, the nature of this story is you write in third person most of the time, all the time. Um, most of the time. Okay. So. I, and third th- person, for anybody who gets confused, because I get easily confused by things, First, third person is he said, she said, he did, they did. That's the, the context of third person. Okay. And, and I'm writing this in first person, and I'm also having the narrator talk to the reader from time to time. And I fully expected you to lambaste me for that, but you didn't. Why not? Because it worked. Um, in movies, they call that breaking the fourth wall when mm-hmm. the um, the character will look directly at the camera and talk to the camera or how, however. Um, I don't know if there's a term for it in books, so we've just been calling it breaking the fourth wall. It, it worked. And the reason why it worked is because the tone of your book is very light and the voice that the character was using to speak to the reader was uh, in that same, it was in the same voice, that same uh, airiness, that same lightness, and it worked. There was just a couple of places in the notes where I mentioned it wasn't working, not because it couldn't work, but because it was, the reader hadn't yet become familiar enough with the character or the character's voice or the situation they were in to realize that was what was happening. And so it left the exchange it left the way that it was presented feeling like awkward writing versus a deliberate fourth wall breaking. But I, I thought the fourth wall breaking was great. It just had to be in the right place. Okay. Uh, something else that I, I did consistently poorly uh, was, I don't know, scene, scene beginnings, I, I would say. And your comments would be, and I don't have a, a, specific, a specific comment in front of me right now, but your comments would be, like, this is really rough, the reader's not grounded, that kind of thing. Um, but then I did one 
that was just a sentence or so, and you said, this is really good, you know, this is the way to do this kind of thing. And that was like, oh, then the light bulb went off, and it, it was great, because that's, that's something that I just traditionally do poorly is, is opening scenes and grounding grounding the, the reader it's quickly. hard yeah no and i and i i sorry i didn't mean to over talk you um i call it anchoring grounding is the same thing where the reader knows where they are and oh scene changes scene openings chapter openings so i struggle more with those than anything because you're basically starting from scratch every single time to let the reader know who where what when why and and to, to just get right into the action without so much descriptive dialogue or descriptive uh, the light was setting above the ocean and you know, whatever. So yeah, it, it's tough. But once you kind of figure out the things to avoid, it can be easier. And I don't know, Steve, if you're okay if I give an example. Sure. Of one of the things. So um, one of the ones that I pointed out to him that I felt wasn't working was actually how the story opened, where it starts off using the name of one of a character, uh, one of the other characters, and the the main character is describing this man. Mr. So-and-so was blah, 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 blah. And, but because it was the person's name, I'm like, this is a little bit of a problem because normally when you start off a chapter or a scene using the person's name, you the reader automatically assumes that that is the person's point of we're, we're seeing the story through that person's eyes. So starting off with someone else, not the character whose eyes we're seeing for, it can make for a, a bit of a conflict in the reader's head. And I told Steve, well, the easiest way to fix this instead of saying, you know, Charles was a tall, thin man or whatever, is to say the client so-and-so the, the client was Charles, comma, a tall, thin man, whatever. So right away, you know that the char Charles, the character, is not whose head we're in. We're being, we're being shown him. So little tiny tweaks like that is all it takes to make sure that the reader doesn't get confused of whose head we're in and who we're talking about. That was a great explanation, and um, yes, I there there are many of those scattered throughout the first several chapters that you looked at, but there are also a few that were good that you complimented me on, and it, it helped to to use the term anchor to anchor in my own mind what the right way to do it is. So I'm I'm grateful for those. Now I'm I'm moving down a ways. Uh, there's this is the first story issue that you pointed out. And it was just a, a single sentence, and it was the way a character replied to another character. And it was pretty. Uh, it was a pretty flippant response, out of character. I think you thought it was. And your comment was, "This might be a story hiccup. I haven't read further yet before writing this comment, so I'm not sure if I'm stepping on my toes. But it just seems like a woman like Mel." The way Reggie described her up to now wouldn't just immediately agree. She'd want to know why, and she'd want to know more. And what you said was exactly correct, but it's the kind of thing that I never think of when I'm writing. I just It just goes right by me. Why, why do we miss things like that? 
the I'm sure there's many, many reasons why. And just because someone's been writing a long time, like I have, doesn't mean that I don't miss them too in my own writing. And usually it's because you're just trying to get the story going. You want to keep the story moving. And you're so focused on the main character and getting him from point A to point B that it's easy to overlook the side characters and their motivations, their quirks, their personalities, and by overlooking those, that's what makes them feel very shallow, doesn't give them that depth of character, and it's what makes it the story feel contrived, because it's just everything is straight through this main character. It's all about him, but in real life, it's never all about him. It's all about everybody else around them, and so I think the that would probably be one of the main reasons why we overlook all these other aspects is because we're so focused on the character that we're writing and his story that we forget everybody else has their own story too. Okay. Uh, further down, I'd, I'd closed a paragraph and I just kind of as a whim thinking I might use this later on in the book. And if I don't, I'll take it out. But you really jumped on it, and I don't mean jumped Wait, on it I in a bad way. On. I don't know, <laughs> but it, it was, it was, um, you 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 really picked up on it, and and the fact that I was setting myself up for something and changing the tone of the story by having this line. And I when I put the line in, and the line is, and because of the one time I didn't take a picture, the time a picture would have made all the difference, and. As we've said, this is a lighthearted story, and the character is is lighthearted, and there's a lot of internal dialogue. And your comment was, this has me torn. On the one hand, I can totally see where you're coming from with putting this in here like that. On the other, it's completely different from the voice and character of the whole rest of the story, where as soon as the character throws out a line about something, he follows it up with an explanation of what the thing is. Uh, the whole story has a light, fun feel of a breezy detective story, and putting this in here at the end of a chapter gives it a feeling of a hardcore thriller, uh, which was not my intent at all. And I, but I, I thought it was interesting that you picked that much up from a sentence like that, and and you you picked up a like a, a tone shift that that I didn't intend. <laughs> I, I just I thought it was interesting, and I completely agree with you. And I'm I'm going to take it out unless I can come up with a way of softening it, which you suggested. And actually, I'll I'll, I'll read the suggestion. If you decide to keep it, change the tone. Basically, well, was what I you were like, saying, and make it more the, lighthearted. If the plot is about to turn on this one memory, then keep it because you know it's obviously critical to the plot. But if it's just something that happened before, doesn't alter the plot, then you're going to have to decide if you keep it or do you keep it and change the tone. Because that type of a thing, that type of a throwaway line, that time a picture would have made all the difference, if there is no follow-up in there, the readers are going to be so not happy because you just set them up with this idea that something important just happened. Okay, so that's that's definitely coming out. All right, here's here's another chapter open, and I'm just going to read it. So I'll just give you the, the an exact example. This is the opening of a chapter. The front door slammed shut, waking me from one of those dreams you don't want to be awakened from. 
I rolled right and squinted at the clock. 6.15. Crap. Be right out, I shouted, then jumped out of bed into my shorts and running shoes. She was early this morning. Is it cold? And your comment was writing issue, not story. This opening is really rough without any anchoring. So we've talked a little bit about anchoring, but maybe just use this as like the classic bad example in addition to the one that we had in the, uh, in the, in the show, which or in the show, in, at the beginning of the book where I opened with another person's name. So in this case, where we start with the front door slam shut, waking me from one of those dreams you don't want to be wakened from, that's not bad. That's okay. Because we know that we're with Reggie. He just got woken up. I rolled right, squinted at the clock, 6.15, crap. Also, not bad. Because we know he's, it's 6.15 in the morning, and crap. We're assuming it's going to, he's late. He's late for something. Where it turns from being, okay, that works, to, all right, totally not clear to the reader what is actually going on, is when it starts, be right out, I shouted, then jumped out of bed and into my shorts and running shoes. Well, first of all, we just violated the order or sequence there. Of, <laughs> of how things are going to happen. So if it had been in the right order, it might actually work where, you know, 6.15, crap. I jump out of bed and into my shorts and running shoes. Be right out, I shouted. That could actually work. But where it doesn't work is she was early this morning. And then he's saying, is it cold? Okay, so we can run with all of that. But as soon as we start throwing in other people and any other aspects of it without some form of clarification, then we have no sense of place, no sense of what is actually going on. And it's sort of like those disembodied voices. The author knows exactly what's going on. And we're just left to go, uh, what? And what it does is it creates grit. Where the reader's like, uh, okay, we'll work with you here, but you better get to the point really fast. Otherwise, you'll start to lose us. So the fix for this really is not complicated. It just needs clarification. It needs something to the effect of so-and-so instead of a she was early this morning. She never got here before whatever time. I stalled and yelled out, is it cold or whatever, to, to buy myself time. Small little tweaks to make sure that the reader understands where you are, why you're there, and what's going on. Every little thing that leaves them a little more confused is a little more grit that it's like floating in space trying to grab onto something. And what you're doing is saying, here's a handle, hold on to this. Now let me take you for a ride. Okay, one more because we are way over time already. But uh, this is also sort of unique and something that I would not have thought of. Um, Reggie goes to his office and 
there's a person there, and but of course I know this as the author, the reader doesn't know that. He goes to the office, or he plans to go to the office, and this, the next paragraph starts out, Becca Worth narrowed her eyes at me, then made a show of looking at the wall clock when I walked through the door at 8.15. What are you doing here? She asked. And you said, writing issue, not story, introducing a character like this for the first time needs a little work to keep the reader anchored. Otherwise, the reader is left wondering who's Becca instead of following the story. Grit elimination. And then I think that's the smiley face. It's not the smile. It's like the colon D. Is that like a big smile? Yeah, it's a big smile. Okay. All right. So that was, and, and that's the way you, you soften this stuff. But, I, you know, the, you use the term grit while we're talking here during the show, and we use the term grit during shows a lot of times. And I, I really see it in, in the notes and then reading it. I, I see where I'm adding grit. What should I have done in that situation? Well, I mean, there's so many different options. And obviously, what I would come up with ultimately, if I was actually editing and rewriting, would probably be a little different than me just spouting off the top of my head. So, you know, I beg forgiveness in advance. But the easiest fix I can think of is first you you reorder the order of events because you've got Becca Worth narrowed her eyes at me, then made a show of looking at the wall clock when I walk through the door at 8.15. Now, when is a preposition, if I did my research correctly in the past. And this is a hack that um, I don't know if we've ever talked about, but when you are using words like before, after, when, about, there's, there's hundreds of them. These words are signal to you that there's going to be grit going on. Depending, I mean, obviously, depending on the order of, of the words, you can't eliminate those words completely. But it has to do with the 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 way that this story is being seen. In when you do it the way it's written here, it's almost as if there's um, you know you're trying to show it on a TV screen of multiple things happening at the same time. Whereas for the writing to really make sense in the reader's head, it's the cause effect same principle. You've got to restructure it. So you'd be like, I head to my office where I had some thinking to do, which is the paragraph that preceded this. I walk through the door at 8:15. Becca Worth narrowed her eyes at me, then made a show of looking at the wall clock. Then I would say that the whole Becca Worth somehow, and again, very difficult to do off the top of my head without sitting here and, and working in it, we need, the reader needs to know quickly who Becca Worth is. Now, in the paragraph that follows, you talk about how I'd hired Rebecca a year ago, whatever, right? Mm -hmm. So what I would be doing was I'd be, I would start splicing in some of the material that explains who it was. So it'd be like, I walked through the door at 8.15. Becca Worth narrowed her wise at me and then made a show of looking at the wall clock. I'd say, you know, Rebecca was my assistant. I'd hired her a year ago, blah, 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 blah. And once we've established who Rebecca is, which is the same case of narrator going, and the king and his men, and, you know, <laughs> um, then... Rebecca says what she says, which is, what are you doing here? Now, because that is 
that question could be taken so many ways. I would personally interject something right there, which said, yeah, I normally didn't get to the office this early. So I would, I would put something very short in there just to clarify to the reader why such a strange question like what are you doing here could mean you don't belong here it could mean you're supposed to be somewhere else it can mean so many different things so just to set the tone i'd say yeah i don't normally get to the office this early i looked at i handed her coffee in a small white bag because you'll notice this is for steve personally a little lecture here you did it again there steve oh yeah um i handed her coffee small white bag from the pastry shop across the street and said i could ask you the same so I basically took all your information that was already there, added very, very few things, made very few changes to the actual text, but I just moved it all around so that it follows the flow, the order, cause, effect, cause, effect, cause, effect. Okay. We have greatly exceeded our, our normal time limit. But We've I got so much more. We could do a second show on this. We, we actually could. Um, you want to do a two-parter? Let's do a two-parter. Okay, so we will pick up where we left off, and uh, we are on page 30 uh, right now. So we will, we will walk through the rest of these in probably a little bit less detail because most of the notes were, in, were at the front uh, highlighting things that I just did wrong over and over and over again. And so we'll get into some more specific issues in the next show. Taylor, what is our listener question for this week? I should be prepared for this every single week. I should know that he's going to spring this on me, and I never am ready. <laughs> All right. I have, a, I have a question. Taylor's thought, action, dialogue rule. Do you follow that rule? That's, that's Are you my, asking me or asking no, the— No, that's my listener question. Is okay. that something that you guys think about when you're writing? So that's what I'd like to know. And let us know in the group. Let us know in the comments. Uh, however you want to let us know, just let us know. Um, maybe I'm the only person that doesn't follow the rule yet. Uh, not, yeah. not based on what I'm reading from what gets published, <laughs> no. <laughs> All right. So th this has been fun. Thank you guys for listening. And we will be back with part two next week. Be with you next week. Thanks for being here, guys. <laughs>